0: hey folks this is david opposing the matrix and i got my good buddy here ralph where are you ralph you're over there okay yeah <laughs> he's over there <laughs> you're over there okay. yeah and they're and they're out there
1: <laughs> yes they're out there
0: okay yeah. Well folks, um, h- hello Ralph, first of all, good to have oh, you here.
1: Greetings, how are you tonight?
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Um, folks, we're going to have a, a neat show tonight. We're going to do a, a kind of a dualistic thing here. Uh, we're going to talk, or Ralph's going to talk about the, um, the Constitution. Does it prohibit women from becoming uh, president by its verbiage? Um, and also we're going to um, be working on another uh, wonderful thing Ralph put together. Um, it's about uh, the Bogus Jewish Conspiracy, okay, and so we're, so it's going to be a, a jam-packed, fun-filled night, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to do the, um, the, the one about the Constitution first, and then, um, so that's going to be more of a presentation, uh, Ralph Live, and, uh, but Ralph's going to be here the whole time, but we're, the, what we're going to do second of all is watch a video a slideshow that Ralph put together and um, so just to let you know what's going on so uh, Ralph any words uh, how you doing
1: I'm doing fine it's still I just had a phone call and the lady said my mother is 83 she wants to know if you'll do you like to dance oh said, what what she's 83 Skip early, I said, well, maybe she can, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> run, Ralph, run. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. So that ended, and I said, and I was eating my dinner, and so I finally got up there, oh, you know, I can, I can talk. You're, you're. So finally she <laughs> left, and we got back to, uh, back to then, then suddenly you called me went, uh, on the half hour. Nice. We're nice. ready to go. We're gonna. Okay, go. well,
0: let's 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 let it rip, Matt.
1: Okay, here we go.
0: All right, I want to make a statement. Uh, it says before we play the DVD, David will be reading my comments. Uh, I am Ralph Epperson, and these will these are will be my thoughts. Sorry. When I was teaching part-time at a community college in Oregon, yay, uh, I became interested in the Constitution of the United States, and as I looked at it, I found something that I have never heard others speak about. This was in the 1970s, and I still remember what I found. I have finally decided that since I could not find anyone that has specifically addressed the subject I would, I would convert it to a short presentation. that is what I have done. Now I have hold on, Ralph. you, know, here you go. Now I have utilized the PowerPoint program in the 29 other DVDs I have produced. But this program had uh, recently developed a glitch in it, and I had to present this information in a different format. Now, with these comments said, let's start a three-minute DVD. After we ex- have examined this, David and I will discuss the subject.
1: Okay. So, when are we ready? Are we ready to start the second program? Uh,
0: yeah. Well, the second one or the first one? We're going to well, do the. Yeah.
1: David, you don't have to correct me when I make a mistake. Just
0: kind of gloss over. It was a question. It was a question. <laughs> okay, Ralph. Let's 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 do it. If words have meaning, and they do,
1: yeah, a
0: hundred percent. All right, Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris. I'm going to have to wash my eyes after this, Ralph. (laughs) Oh, and Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. None of these women can be inaugurated. I can't be inaugurated President of the United States. All right, according to the Constitution of the United States, the supreme law of the land. This is a presentation of Publius Productions. Permission is granted to make copies. It's Ralph <laughs> Epperson. There, there's that handsome guy right there, Ralph Epperson.
1: How many how many dollars is it gonna cost me to have you say that, David?
0: <laughs> I'll say it once, twice will cost you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, narrated on May 9th, 2023. Three branches, excuse me, uh, over, t- yeah, three branches ex- uh, legislative, executive, and judicial.
1: Now that's a copy of the Constitution. Right. But we're only going to concentrate on this
0: the executive, Article 2. Yeah, okay. Counting the number of times he, his, count the number of times he equals 12, his equals one.
1: That's 13 times Ooh. those two words have appeared in this article too.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. There is no mention of she or her.
1: No, I I checked the Webster's Dictionary.
0: Okay, Webster's Dictionary. He, the man or male. Is very obvious. Only a man may be inaugurated. So what's the remedy? It's very simple, David. Amend the Constitution. Yep. 1920, the 19th Amendment. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. So the women of the United States were given the right to vote by the nineteenth amendment in nineteen twenty. If the citizens want to elect a woman as a president of the United States, the solution is amend the Constitution. Thank you for watching. And produced and narrated by Ralph Epperson. The
1: end. Now, well, that was you, clear to the point. <laughs> can you state it any uh, any more simply? No. What's the well, What's the solution? To amend the Constitution. Okay. Now let's ask this question: What would have happened? What do you think would have happened if Hillary had been elected?
0: Oh. Well the country would have went down the tubes faster than it is right now.
1: No no. Oh
0: I see you're using a scenario here. Yes, she well, she well, would have been elected, but by the constitution she wouldn't have been able to be inaugurated.
1: Now, what do you think she'd say? She what? wants to be president. You mm-hmm. I didn't know this, and I did you bunch of see you what's the word, your men depraved oh, yeah. you there's
0: sexist. And, sexist, yeah.
1: right. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. This is the law of the land. The word man means man. Not, not men, trans man or women. Mm-hmm. This man means man. And that's, by the way, just an aside, the reason this happened, and maybe you can confirm this, is I'm told that the Jewish faith up to the 1700s, only men... In the Jewish faith, could own property.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. is that
1: true? If yeah. that's true, then what what we did in the America we were, we were ser, uh, servants, of the uh, uh, English government, subjects. Right. So we adopted the Judeo-Christian ethic, so men, could be, uh, were uh, deciding men's decisions of what kind of government to give us, and then we said. When it's time to have, create a president he has he has to be a he and he has to have his uh, service or whatever it is right no choice uh-huh. now, I'm telling you I can't imagine what Hillary would say if she's never heard this before and suddenly she couldn't be inaugurated she's going right. through the wall
0: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: You, you tricked me. You mend and then the chauvinists, The women will come out and pick it and burn and who knows what.
0: Yeah, the pitchforks and the and the torches would be marching on Washington D.C. It's scary. Yeah.
1: She she was promised the presidency and they didn't give it to her. They gave it to her Barack Obama, and mm-hmm. it, that disappointed her. Right. Now, There's one thing. Do you want to talk about this? What we learned about somebody who stepped out from the limelight, out into the limelight recently. Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Tell us what, who was, who it was. Well, what I hear it's John F. Kennedy Jr. Wait a minute, John Kennedy Jr. Yeah. Everybody knows he's dead. Is he? Well, <laughs> you, you want to know a little brief synopsis of this, of uh, this yeah. whole story of why he did what he did? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there were four brothers, uh, John being the second, uh, Joseph Jr., uh, John, uh, Teddy, and then Bobby. And all three of those men were murdered by the conspiracy. They uh-huh. failed on Teddy. I believe because his private plane crashed and the pilot was killed. It was that serious. But Teddy survived. So I think they did. Like, I'm told that if if in the old days when they hung some uh, criminal and he survived, they cut him free and say, listen, you survived. We we won't double try you and get do it again. But if you ever come caught back, we guarantee it'll take so that there was, they gave Teddy the option you can live and chase skirts wherever you want to do. So now that's something that little John knew. John created the magazine George. Mm. Why? Because somebody, it was nothing to, the cover was a beautiful blonde and wearing. A costume that would would be George Washington would wa- wear, but that was the clue to tell you it's not George Washington because George Washington's not a woman, so it's all about George Herbert Walker Bush. Right. Now, the the conspiracy uh, Moynihan was retiring as a Democrat, uh, in a senator, I think it was in mm. the year 1900 or wherever well, it was, doesn't matter. It's pertinent either way. So he was. Retiring, So they they said to Hillary, listen, we'll make you president later. You go down there and, and run against, uh, uh, run for the seat, and we'll, we'll make sure you get elected. So she found out that Junior was going to run as well. Right. She said, I cannot beat Junior if the primaries are two Democrats are running. So I want him to disappear as well. And right. I think some people went to visit her with the black black sunglasses. And they said, uh, listen, uh, three of your uncles are gone and mm-hmm. one survived an accident. And you could be number five. Right. I would run. And Ted, uh, Bobby, uh, John said, Jr. says, you're right. And yeah. so he bought an airplane, learned to fly it, uh, learned to remote control it. He took it off in New Jersey. We're almost finished in New Jersey, which is overland, and went up to New York and then out over what they call it like the Gulf of, what is it, I, the the water above the uh, long Yeah,
0: Nassau yeah, Sound, I think is what or it, or is. Yeah. it is, yeah.
1: So she flew along there probably to see the land underneath him. And then when mm-hmm. he got to the where he's supposed to land, like this, he pushed the button and the airplane went like this.
0: Right, he was, he was not on it though. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, actually correct. Mm -hmm. And he lived accordingly until a couple of days ago when he made the official announcement, I'm coming out. Right. So you and I both agree something's coming down the road.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
1: Let's not speculate on that. Let's just say, let's watch and see what the media does. There's no comment that I know of that they found it because it was publicly, he put it on the Internet, and it said it's an official, and the picture of him was there. I right. tried to copy the picture and print it, uh, and it won't do it. So in other words, they're, they don't want you to take copies of try try the huh. purpose. Maybe you can try it, see if you can save it, because right. it, it, it's a beautiful picture. And there's no question it's John Kennedy, Jr. He's now great right. at temples, he's got a, a beard, and he's, he's well-tanned and v- rigorous-looking and healthy. And he's got that little sheepish grin on his face, and and so he's coming out. So that's something to see. Now, can we talk about this thing called the bogus Jewish conspiracy? Yes, let's talk. Okay, now, uh, I first heard about this way back in the the early 60s, when before you were even born, David, I'll give you that, David, 1960. (laughs) You weren't even born yet. So that was a year old. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I maybe mean, you're the one that did it. So anyway, in the city. I heard that there was a people bunch of people believe it was a Jewish conspiracy, and the the little article I read refuted it totally. It's as bogus as a one dollar bill. Now we're going to see that during this uh, lecture, this uh, slide presentation. So mm-hmm. there people, and you'll see that Mel Gibson believes at least at that time you'll see a picture of male in the in the slide and it's i tell the story about him and what happened how i almost got a chance to talk to him and we'll see if that's covered but i'm going to expose it for what it is it's a total fraud the jews have nothing to do with this conspiracy right people of the jewish faith might If they're going to join the conspiracy, they have to rebuke their God, the Mm -hmm. the God of the... Right, which means they're no longer a Jew. Right. Okay, now with that, let's get together and watch the bogus Jewish conspiracy. Sounds good. How long is it, Ralph, so everybody knows? An hour and I think 15 minutes. Okay,
0: it's really good, folks. I watched it uh, several times and the other day, too, so... Here we go, roll them.
1: The bogus Jewish conspiracy the Everest that those who believe in a worldwide Jewish conspiracy are dramatically wrong. A presentation of Publius Productions. My name is Ralph Epperson and I will be the one presenting this evidence on this presentation. For the sake of any dated material, it was recorded on May the 19th, 2009. It might be helpful for you to know a little bit about me and why I believe I can speak about a subject such as this. I am a graduate of the University of Arizona, but what I have learned in my life has come from personal study after college and not from the professors I took classes from while in college. I must admit that I never questioned what I had been taught. I believed my teachers and professors were presenting the truth. And I continued to believe that until I was introduced to the idea that history needs to be revised. That happened about two years after college when a friend of mine suggested that I read what he called revisionist history. I had to admit that this was a new idea to me, so I started reading in 1962 at his suggestion, and I haven't stopped since. I have read over a thousand titles in the fields of history, political science, and economics, and all of that reading has convinced me that history needs to be revised. I now know that at least 75% of what I was taught at the University of Arizona is simply not true. And I say this as well. I believe that many of the professors are knowingly lying. And yet they persist in their storytelling. And I wonder why my parents paid for an education for me when I was being lied to for four years of my life. And as I continued my research, I became aware that there is indeed a conspiracy at work in this world and that it has been active for over 6,000 years. I must admit that I had been taught what I now call the accidental view of history all the way through my college years. This view holds that the major events of the past have occurred by accident. No one really knows why wars, revolutions, and depressions occur. They just do. This is James Warburg and he wrote this book entitled The Western Crisis in 1959. The book describes him as an eminent commentator on world affairs. He was a Harvard graduate and was one of the advisors to President Franklin Roosevelt. This book says that he was the author of at least 25 books on a variety of subjects, but more importantly he was a believer in the accidental view of history and described it with these words. History is written more by accident than by design, often by the wholly irrational acts of madmen this writer has it at least partially correct these are indeed the acts of man-man and they are certainly not rational but they have a plan and they are creating events to fit into it james was the son of paul warburg a member of the warburg banking house a family of international bankers His His father was one of the men who designed America's privately owned Federal Reserve System. And the private reserve system that his father was instrumental in creating, creates depressions upon demand. In fact, the private reserve intentionally created the stock market crash of 1929. If you want the evidence that that statement is true, may I suggest that you read my first book entitled The Unseen Hand, An Introduction to the Conspiratorial View of History. So James Warburg kind of shaded the truth when he said that history was written by accident. This accidental view received support from another writer, Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was President Jimmy Carter's National Security Advisor. He was a professor at Columbia University for several years. He wrote a book in 1970 entitled Between Two Ages, in which he wrote on page 61. Social problems are seen less as the consequence of deliberate evil and more as the unintended byproducts of ignorance. This wasn't stated as clearly as I would have liked, but that is the way this man writes. He is saying that problems are unintended and they are caused by ignorance. In other words, these events are not caused, they just happen mister Brzezinski has been quoted by the New York Times in its january eighteenth, nineteen eighty one edition as saying this history is much more the product of chaos than of conspiracy. Increasingly, policymakers are overwhelmed by events and information. So once again, Mr Brzezinski was repeating that these events just happened. And by the way, one of Professor Brzezinski's students while he was a professor at Columbia University was Barack Obama. The future president there was, for, was there for two years from 1981 to 1983 taking classes from the professor. So I would presume that the new president also believes in the accidental view of history. My research has convinced me that there is a competing view, one that I call the conspiratorial view. This view holds that the major events of the past have been caused by a central conspiracy and that its presence in our affairs can be found, but only through diligent research because it is basically buried by the historians of the accidental view. And let me identify the goal of this central conspiracy. It is to bring the world a new civilization called the New World Order. I will explain what that is in a little more detail a little later. I have put my research into four books. This is the first one, the one that I briefly discussed a few minutes ago. It was published in 1985. My second book was published in 1990 and is entitled The New World Order, a look at the horrific future planned for the world by a conspiracy. My third book is entitled Masonry, Conspiracy Against Christianity, and it is an examination of the rituals of the Masonic Lodge wherein the Masons take an oath with a sword in their hand to destroy Christianity it was published in 1997 and the fourth one is a work on Jesse James the famous outlaw this book will provide the evidence that he did not die in 1882 as has been reported by the accidental historians he lived to be hundred and three years of age and died in 1951 And between the years of 1882, when he supposedly died, and 1951, when he really died, he was a major figure in support of this conspiracy. And in fact, Jesse James was elected a United States Senator from Montana, and that is why I entitled my book, Jesse James, United States Senator. It was published in 2005. So all of my 40 years of research has convinced me that there is a conspiracy at work. And that Brzezinski and Warburg are dramatically wrong. And this cartoon shows that they have plans for the world. They plan on pushing it over the edge of a cliff. And this cartoon amply describes my task, to try to prevent the future this conspiracy has planned for this world. And I am firmly convinced that the people pushing this world over the cliff are not Jewish as many people believe. In other words, there is a conspiracy at work in the world, but it is not Jewish. So let me now start the discussion of the reasons those who believe in the Jewish conspiracy are dramatically wrong. Let me start by defining the word itself. Webster's defines it as two or more people acting together in secret with an evil purpose. Notice that this conspiracy of two or more people must operate in secret. Now, of course, if people have an evil purpose, they must operate in secret. People with good motives or purposes seek publicity, not secrecy. That makes finding the evidence of a conspiracy all the more difficult. However, all one must do to find the evidence of this conspiracy is be diligent in your research and know where to look. And one of those who has convinced me that there is an actual conspiracy at work in the world was President Bill Clinton. Mr. Clinton told America on live national television on the night of July the sixteenth, 1992, when he accepted the Democrat Party's nomination for president that he was part of an international conspiracy already in control of the world. This is the book that he wrote in 1992 along with Al Gore entitled Putting People First. And on page 217 he has published a transcript of the acceptance speech he delivered that night to the American people. And this is what he said, as reported on page 231. As a teenager, I heard John Kennedy's summons to citizenship. And then, as a student at Georgetown University, I heard that call clarified by a professor I had named Carol Quigley. I believe that most Americans will know that John Kennedy was the President of the United States between the years of 1961 and 1963, but I would hazard a guess that most do not know who Dr. Quigley was. But it is certain that Bill Clinton knew because he spoke about him on national television. Bill Clinton was nominated to go to a program called Boys Nation during the summer of 1963. And it was while he was in Washington that he met President John Kennedy. As he said, the meeting had a big effect on young Bill Clinton's decision to go into politics. Bill Clinton graduated from high school in Hart Springs, Arkansas in 1964. And went to Georgetown University from nineteen sixty-four to nineteen sixty-eight. And his major professor while he was there was Dr. Carol Krigley. So Bill Clinton went to Georgetown between the years of nineteen sixty-four and nineteen sixty-eight. And in it was a and it was in nineteen sixty-six, sometime between his sophomore and junior years at Georgetown. Dr. Quigley published this book entitled Tragedy and Hope. And we know that it was required reading for his class. We now can read the book that Bill Clinton read while he was a student in Dr. Quigley's classes. A good place to start with what he was taught is to go to page 950 of Tragedy and Hope. This is what Dr. Quigley wrote. There does exist and has existed for a generation an international Anglophile network. By the way, the word Anglophile means primarily English, but notice that he also called it international, which means Americans and other Europeans could join. Dr. Quigley wrote on page 324 that this conspiracy has a mysterious purpose. The aim of creating a world system of financial control. Able to dominate the political system of each country. And the economy of the world as a whole. Dr. Quigley named names, and I must admit that some of them quite likely were Jews, but I would say that the overwhelming majority of them were not. And one of those men that Dr. Quigley identified as being a member of this conspiracy was Cecil Rhodes, an extremely wealthy and powerful individual. Quigley says that Mr. Rhodes feverishly exploited the diamond and gold fields of South Africa and rose to be Prime Minister of Cape Colony from 1890 to 1896. Cape Colony is now part of the modern nation known as South Africa. In fact, the African nation of Rhodesia was named after Cecil Rhodes. That nation is now called Zimbabwe. Not many people have nations named after them, but Cecil Rhodes did. Dr. Quigley continued, In the middle 1890s, Rhodes had a personal income which was spent freely for his mysterious purposes. These purposes centered on his desire to bring all the habitable portions of the world under their control. For this purpose, Rhodes left part of his great fortune to found the Rhodes Scholarships at Oxford. The purpose of the Rhodes Scholarships was to invite intelligence students from all over the world to come to Oxford University to learn in more detail about this international network, and then invite them to become part of the power controlling the world today. So where did Bill Clinton go after graduation from Georgetown in 1968? This is page 36 of the U.S. News & World Report article for October the 19th, 1992, and it shows that from 1968 to 1970, Bill Clinton was at Oxford studying as a Rhodes Scholar. This picture was taken in 1970 after he returned to the United States from his two years at Oxford. I can only presume that young Bill Clinton taught. Hillary what he had learned from Dr. Quigley between 1964 and 1968 and what he learned while on a Rhodes Scholarship program from 1968 to 1970. And I think that part of what the Rhodes Scholarship program taught young Bill Clinton was contempt for modern civilization, and that was shown by his growth of long hair and a beard, meaning a contempt for the traditionally clean-shaven appearance of the day. And apparently he taught Hillary as well. Dr. Crigley then explained on page 582 what the Rhodes Scholarships organization did in America. They set up a Council on Foreign Relations in New York City. And then, on page 952, quickly continued. The American branch of this organization has played a very significant role in the history of the United States. So in 1988, several years after he returned to America, Bill Clinton joined the Council on Foreign Relations. And then in 1992, the council delivered the election to President Bill Clinton. So Clinton was exposed to the evidence that there was an international conspiracy at work in the world, but that it was not Jewish, but primarily English, but also international. And Dr. Quigley admitted that he had been shown their secret records for two years. And then he learned more while in a scholarship program set up by one of their principal members. So in summary, Clinton learned it was international, but primarily English. If you want to learn more about what Clinton learned from Dr. Quigley, may I suggest that you watch my DVD entitled Clinton's Conspiracy. Details on how you may obtain a copy will be provided at the end of this presentation. This is Mel Gibson, the famous movie star. As perhaps you will recall, he was arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol a couple years ago, and during his arrest, he made several charges to the arresting officers that the Jews were behind all the wars of the past and that they were actually a part of a thing called the Jewish conspiracy. This view is not new to me. I first read about it way back in about 1963 and have been exposing it ever since. Because I knew then, as I now know, it is simply not true. So these beliefs about the Jewish conspiracy have been held for some time and are held by people even today. The first time I heard about the claim was when I read a pamphlet written by Robert Welch, the founder of the John Birch Society. It was called The Neutralizers, and it was written in 1963. I read it, and it was the first time that I had heard that there were actually people who believed that this conspiracy was led by the Jews. I would like to quote from Mr. Welch's pamphlet. He started by quoting. Notice he's quoting someone who believed in it. This is what Welch believed a person who believes in it would say. It is actually a Jewish conspiracy run by the Jews as part of a plan to have have the Jews rule the entire world from the time it was started by a Jew named Karl Marx, and later carried out by another or other Jews like Ulyanov Lenin and Bronstein Trotsky. Mr. Welch was writing about Karl Marx, the so-called father of communism, and Nikolai Lenin and Leon Trotsky, the two revolutionaries who led the bloody communist revolution in Russia in 1917. Mr. Welsh explained that this supporter of the Jewish conspiracy theme would claim that Lenin's real name was Ulyanov and Trotsky's real name was Bronstein, meaning that they had concealed their names to conceal the fact that both of these men were actually Jews. Those who believe in the Jewish conspiracy claim that this is a common strategy of those Jews who are in the conspiracy. They change their names so that it will not appear as if the Jews are running the conspiracy. I can honestly say that in all of my research, I never found one of these writers who ever documented their supposed claims. We are supposed to believe it, apparently, simply because they say it. But that is not good enough for me. I have become an honorary citizen of the state of Missouri called the Show Me State, meaning that if someone makes a claim, I ask them to show me their proof. And if they do not have the proof, I will not believe their claims. And I would like to recommend that you also become an honorary citizen of Missouri. Ask any writer or historian to prove his charges, and then may I suggest that you ignore the works of any who cannot. We simply do not have time to waste in believing unsubstantiated claims. So way back in 1963, way before this conspiracy was proven to be a religious view of man, without a belief in the creator God of the universe, but a belief in the false God named Lucifer, also called Satan, the Devil. It was simply called the Communist Conspiracy. Please notice here that Welch was quoting someone who identified these men as being Jews. Mr. Welch did not personally believe the claim. This is Reverend Richard Wormbrand, a Christian minister from Romania, who has suffered at the hands of the communists in his native land. This is a book he has written, entitled Marx and Satan, published in 1985. In it, Reverend Wormbrand shows us the evidence that Karl Marx was a worshipper of the devil. It is true that Marx was born a Jew, but after his father converted to Christianity, Karl Marx, as a young man, converted as well. Marx was actually baptized as a Christian during his time. Reverend Wormbrand quotes the early writings of Marx, such as this that Marx wrote entitled, The Union of the Faithful with Christ in which Mr. Marx wrote, through love of Christ we turn our hearts towards our brethren. Union with Christ is everything noble and great. Once a Jew becomes a Christian, he is no longer a Jew, because the Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah promised by the Old Testament prophets. But Marx went off to college and while away from the Christian influence for the first time, and was away. While a student at the university, at the age of 19, Marx wrote this. I wish to avenge myself against the God, or the one rather, the one who rules above. And see this sword? The Prince of Darkness sold it to me. This sounds to me like a person who has rejected the teaching of Jesus to embrace the teachings of the devil, often called the Prince of Darkness. The Reverend quotes a friend of Marx's when Marx was 23 years old, is writing, Marx called the Christian religion one of the most immoral of religions. Then Reverend Wimbrandt identifies the reason why Marx had rejected the teachings of Jesus. Marx had discovered, or actually joined, a satanic cult while in college, led by a priestess named Joanna Salcott, who claimed to be in contact with a demon named Shiloh. Now the question is this, if a man leaves Judaism to become a Christian and then leaves that to become a Satanist, is he still a Jew or a Christian? And the answer has to be, no, he is a Satanist. Marx had become a Satanist. And after he became a Satanist, he would have to leave both the Jewish and Christian faiths that believed in the God of the Bible. He would no longer be a Jew or a Christian. And he would have to leave Christianity, the faith that believes in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Let's say for the sake of argument that both Nikolai Lenin and Leon Trotsky were Jews. Were they still Jews when they became communists? Was Lenin still a Jew when he wrote as a communist, we are the masters? Complete indifference to suffering is our duty. The greatest cruelty is a merit through a systematic terror every lie every lie shall be lawful we will find the way to abase to abase humanity down to the lowest level of existence and we must combat religion down with religion long live atheism Atheism is, of course, a belief that there is no God. So Lenin was writing as a man who believed that there was no God in the universe. That certainly is not the view of a believer in the Jewish religion. Lenin continued, The spread of atheism is our task. Communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and morality. We say that we do not believe in God. We do not believe in eternal morality. That is moral that serves the destruction of the old society. I think that any fair reading of those quotations by Karl Marx, by Nikolai Lenin would force the reader to an inevitable conclusion, Lenin was no longer a Jew. He was an atheistic communist, because communism is a religion without God. Mr. Welch then pointed out that this so-called Jewish conspiracy surfaced with a document called the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, supposedly written by a group of Jews who met in Basel, Switzerland in 1897 to set the course for their plan of world conquest. So the first question becomes obvious. Does that mean that the Jews did not have a plan for world conquest until 1897? They have been on this earth for thousands of years and apparently we are being asked to believe that they only met in 1897 to formulate their plan. Notice that the claim is that the protocols were written by the learned elders of Zion. Zionism is defined as a conviction that the jews should return to their homeland in the middle east one promised by god to them many centuries before this was accomplished by the united nations who authorized the jews to occupy that area of land in nineteen forty eight many christian pastors today are zionists because they believe that the bible prophesies that the jews would one day return to their homeland and they believe that this prophecy was fulfilled in 1948 These pastors are not Jews, but Christians. Yet the individual who found the papers claimed that Zionists were exclusively Jews and that they had a plan, as Zionists, a plan for world conquest. Just because a man is a Zionist does not mean that he is a Jew. He could be a Christian or any other religion for that matter. All he would have to believe is that the Jews should have a homeland in Israel, but not all Jews believe in a homeland for the Jews either, which means that just because a man is a Jew does not mean that he is a Zionist. This is the first of two pictures of Jews marching just a few years ago to protest the actions of Israel in their invasion of Lebanon. Both. Both of these pictures were taken in London, England, and will make the point, not all Jews are in favor of what Israel does. One of these signs says that Zionism does not represent world Jewry. Now let me return to the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. The claim is that this was a real document, but Sergei Nilus, the man who allegedly found the papers, provided not one documentation that this meeting in Switzerland had ever taken place. He did not say how he found the protocols or how he knew that they were official. And to be perfectly honest, I do not now know who wrote them, nor what the purpose was of whoever who did write it. But that does not mean that they were written by the Jews. It means quite possibly that they were written by an active conspiracy, the one ruling America and the world today. The same one that Dr. Quigley taught Bill Clinton about. And the one that I've spent 44 years of my life documenting and exposing. But in summary, I would say this about the protocols. Reading them is like reading today's newspapers. They certainly speak directly to the things happening in America today. One person who believed the protocols was Henry Ford, the owner of the Ford Motor Company, the maker of the Ford lines of automobiles. And the reason he believed in them is very intriguing. Mr. Ford never borrowed money to build his automobile industry. He just delivered the cars on credit to the car dealers who would pay him for the cars once they were sold, and this was intolerable to the bankers who ran America. And to bankrupt him or force him into borrowing money, the bankers created the crash of 1920. The purpose of this was to force him to borrow from the bankers, and if he did, they intended on getting him to appoint their people to his board of directors, and he would lose control of his company. And when Ford learned that it was the international bankers who were behind this, he was incensed, and he was right. If you want to read that Mr. Ford was right in this instance, may I suggest that you read my fourth book entitled Jesse James, United States Senator. You will learn just how the international bankers were behind the American Revolution of 1776, the War of 1812, and the Civil War. But my books give you the evidences that these international bankers were not Jews. So Mr. Ford was right. The protocols do report that the international bankers do create the problems around the world. The copy that I possess quotes Mr. Ford as saying on February the 17th, 1921. The only statement that I care to make about the protocols is that they fit in with what is going on. They have fitted the world situation up to this time. They fit it now. But that was all Mr. Ford was right about. He purchased the Dearborn, Michigan independent newspaper and used it as a way of hopefully convincing America of the validity of his charges. This is typical of what he wrote in this newspaper. The international financiers are behind all wars. Notice, by the way, that this is precisely the same charge that Mel Gibson made in the year 2006. Mr. Ford continued, in America, the Jew is a threat. And when Adolf Hitler came to power in Germany and promised to do something about the Jews, Ford lent him his support. This is a picture taken July the 30th, 1938, of Mr. Ford receiving the Grand Cross of the German Eagle from Adolf Hitler's Third Reich, presented by the German Council General of Cleveland and Council of Detroit. And one can only presume that Mr. Ford never learned that there is evidence that Adolf Hitler himself was one quarter Jew. In 1943, Walter Langer, an American psychiatrist, was asked by President Franklin Roosevelt to prepare a psychological profile on Adolf Hitler and it has been reprinted in this book entitled The Mind of Adolf Hitler, published in 1972. This is what he discovered. Adolf Hitler's father, Alois Hitler, was the illegitimate son of Maria Anna Schickelgruber. She was employed as a servant in the home of Baron Solomon Mayer Rothschild in Vienna, Austria. As soon as the Rothschild family discovered that she was pregnant, she was sent back to her home in Spital where Alois was born. If it is true that one of the Rothschilds was the real father of Alois, it would make Adolf one quarter Jew. I don't think it ever learned that Adolf Hitler was quite likely the illegitimate son of a Rothschild, a so-called Jewish banker. That sheds a completely, completely different light on this Jewish conspiracy theory. If Hitler was Jewish and they already controlled the world, why would a Jewish conspiracy want to take him out? That doesn't make sense unless there is no Jewish conspiracy. I remember watching a television commercial for Bill Cosby's situation comedy. Cosby told his son, remember son, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. So if this is a Jewish conspiracy, it does not make sense that they would take Adolf Hitler out after creating him. Apparently someone told Mr. Ford that all of the international bankers were Jewish. It is quite conceivable that someone told him that this goes all the way back to the time of jesus and his overturning of the tables of the money changers inside the temple this occurrence might be the source of the theory that the jews are the international bankers of today let me briefly quote some bible verses as a way of possibly explaining where some of those people who believe in the jewish conspiracy get their ideas Let me start by quoting the Gospel of John, chapter two, verses 13 through 15. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Now this was the only time in the Bible that I'm aware of where Jesus used anger. But it is known that only three days later, Jesus was on the cross. Let me continue the story in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 14 and 15 then one of the twelve disciples, called Judas Iscariot, went into the chief priests, and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they contracted with him for thirty pieces of silver. Now the chief priests were in charge of the temple, and they were undoubtedly the ones who allowed the money changers to sit in the temple itself. One can only wonder why Judas thought the chief priests would be interested in silencing Jesus and would be willing to pay him. And one can only ask two questions. Did the chief priests have some sort of financial arrangement with the money changers? And secondly, where did the 30 pieces of silver come from? Did it come from the money changers or from the chief priests? It appears as if Judas must have felt that the money would come from the priests and not the money changers themselves. So one could argue that it was not the money changers who wanted to silence Jesus, it was the high priests. So the betrayal of Jesus by Judas was bought for 30 pieces of silver. But the question is were the money changers the source of the claim that the jews were the international bankers the author dan brown wrote a book in 2003 entitled the da vinci code and this book stirred up a huge controversy because it alleged that jesus and mary magdalene a woman named in the bible were married and that this marriage resulted in children being born I will not spend the time to discuss this book and its comments except for this one. The documentaries on the cable television networks that were aired because of this book were discussing the evidence that it was members of the Knights Templars around the year 1100 who became the European International Bankers. So if this is true, then the International Bakers are not Jews, they are the Knights Templars, the grandfather to the Masonic lodges of today. So Henry Ford and Mel Gibson are wrong. Hitler was brought into the world by this conspiracy and Hitler was taken out by this conspiracy And it wasn't the Jews who took him out. It was the very conspiracy that brought him into the world that took him out. And that conspiracy is not Jewish. Now what does it mean to be a Jew? For those who claim that a Jew is born of a Jewish mother, tell that to Henry Kissinger, America's Secretary of State, at one time who was born of a Jewish mother. But Mr. Kissinger can no longer call himself a Jew because on June the 20th, 1976, Mr. Kissinger was formally excommunicated from Judaism. The Jews have a Supreme Rabbinic Court of America composed of five rabbis and they are shown in this picture. They spent nearly a year investigating the charges against Mr. Kissinger, and on that day, they pronounced a cherum upon him, which means a place where access is prohibited, where a person is to be denied access, so Kissinger can no longer visit a synagogue. That must mean that Judaism is a religion, not a race. That means you are Jewish, not because you were born into the faith, you are Jewish because of what you believe. It has been reported that Sammy Davis Jr. and Elizabeth Taylor became Jews, and neither were born of a Jewish mother. So if you are Jewish and become a Luciferian, you have to renounce your faith. You are no longer a Jew, you have renounced your religion. Those who claim that this is a Jewish conspiracy found some lists of the names of the Bolshevik communists who took over the Russian government in 1917 during and then after the bloody Russian Revolution. That revolution murdered as many as 40 million Russians. They found that many of the names on the list sounded Jewish, so those who believed that the Jews were the force behind the revolution proclaimed that they were. Think about this. Just because someone has a Jewish sounding name is not evidence that they are Jewish. So that does not mean anything. There was no proof offered that these men were Jews by religion. And even if these communists were Jews and assisted the communist revolution, they did not keep power for very long. A real problem to those who support this theory occurred after Joseph Stalin took over in 1927 he purged all of the old bolsheviks out of the party by liquidating them and then started the most anti-jewish program in the history of the world if there was a jewish conspiracy in charge of russia why did they allow this to happen stalin ruled for about twenty-six years if they were in charge They should have purged Stalin, but they didn't. That tells me that if the Russian Revolution was a Jewish plot, they were not very effective. They couldn't keep control of the Communist Revolution because after Stalin's purges, their day was over. This is Professor Anthony Sutton, Anthony actually, perhaps the greatest researcher of all, into the Russian Communist Revolution of 1917, and he wrote this book entitled Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, meaning the Communist Revolution in Russia. His credentials for researching this book are impeccable. He was also the author of a three-volume series entitled Western Technology and Soviet Economic Development from 1917 to 1965. He also wrote the book entitled, National Suicide, Military Aid to the Soviet Union. In his Wall Street book, he added an appendix entitled, The Jewish Conspiracy Theory of the Bolshevik Revolution, on pages 185 to 189, in which he discussed the Jewish question. He states the premise, there is an extensive literature reflecting the argument that the Bolshevik Revolution was the result of a Jewish conspiracy, more specifically a conspiracy of Jewish world bankers. Generally world control is seen as the ultimate objective. He then examines an article written by Winston Churchill, later the Prime Minister of England, in 1920, that has been used by those believing the Jewish conspiracy as one of the greatest evidences that it is real. This is what Mr. Churchill wrote in the illustrated Sunday Herald, an England newspaper on February 8, 8th, 1920. From the days of Weishaupt, the founder of the Illuminati and anti-Christian secret society in 1776, to those of Karl Marx, to those of Leon Trotsky, Rosa Luxemburg and Emma Goldman, all identified communists and supposedly Jews by faith. This worldwide conspiracy has been growing. It has been the mainspring of every subversive movement during the 19th century. And now this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped the Russian people. Then Sutton addresses the quotation where Churchill argues that the international Jews had a great role in the creation of Bolshevism and bringing about the Russian Revolution. Sutton writes, he, meaning Churchill, asserts contrary to the fact that with the exception of Lenin, the majority of the leading figures in the Revolution were Jewish. And adds also contrary to the fact that in many cases Jewish interests and Jewish places of worship were accepted by the Bolsheviks from their policies of seizure. Sutton then goes on to examine the writings of Henry Steed, another writer supporting the hypothesis of the Jewish conspiracy, and the State Department Decimal File 861 and other documents that list the names of the Jews who were engaged in the revolution. (coughs) Sutton reviewed this information on page 188 and concluded, However, none of the above statements can be supported with hard empirical evidence. And he continues on page 189. There is no concrete evidence that Jews were involved in the Bolshevik Revolution because they were Jewish. The evidence suggests that the New York bankers who were also Jewish, had relatively minor roles in supporting the Bolsheviks, while the New York bankers, who were also Gentiles, had major roles. And then Sutton addressed the issue of the Stalin purges. He wrote this. The proportion of foreign Jewish Bolsheviks, meaning the Communists, involved falls to less than 20% of the total number of revolutionaries. And these, these Jews were mostly deported, murdered, or sent to Siberia in the following years. So once again, after Stalin's purges, their days were over. There has literally been hundreds of communist revolutions all over the world since 1917, and not one of them has ever been connected to a plot by the Jews. Robert Welch named 27 men he considered to be communists ruling their respective nations. And he asked his readers, do you suppose Mao Tse-sung of China was Jewish? How about Castro of Cuba, Betancourt of Venezuela, Kim Il Sung of North Korea, Ho Chi Minh of Vietnam, and Ben Bella of Algeria, and others? And he asks the question again, do you really believe these men were Jews? Not one of them was brought to power by a Jewish-led revolt like that which allegedly placed Lenin in power in Russia. So the question is, why is that? Why didn't the Jews plan these revolutions to consolidate their quest for world power? If you say that these leaders were brought into power by a secret Jewish conspiracy, what evidence do you have of that? As I have said, I don't know one person who believes in a Jewish conspiracy that has ever claimed that any of these communist revolutions were brought into power by a Jewish conspiracy. Perhaps the bloodiest communist revolution ever occurred in China between the years 1923 and 1949. Over 80 million Chinese were brutally murdered. And there is no one, including those who believe in a Jewish conspiracy, that claims the Jews were behind this communist revolution. The conspiracy that slaughtered these people did not give the Chinese people a government occupied by Jewish communists. There is not one Jewish conspiracy theorist that I know of who has claimed that Chinese communism was created by a Jewish conspiracy. It doesn't seem as if the leaders of this so-called Jewish conspiracy are very effective in controlling the world. And then Professor Sutton discussed the real reason there are those who believe in the Jewish conspiracy theory. The persistence with which the Jewish conspiracy myth has been pushed, suggests that it may well be a deliberate device to divert the attention from the real issues and the real causes. What better way to divert attention from the real operators than by the boogeyman of anti-Semitism. So here Professor Sutton clearly identifies the motives of those who believe in the Jewish conspiracy. They intend on diverting the attention away from the real conspirators. If the real conspirators are not Jews, then who are the real conspirators? This is a book written by Alice Bailey entitled The Externalization of the Hierarchy. Mrs. Bailey was a supporter of the Luciferian conspiracy and it was her intent to explain to her, re- to her readers that someday soon this hierarchy would step out of the shadows and reveal itself. This is what she wrote. The three main channels through which the preparation is going on might be regarded as the church, the Masonic fraternity, and the educational field. Notice there is no mention of the Jews having any role in this conspiracy. This quotation comes from one of the leading supporters of this Luciferian conspiracy, and she doesn't mention the Jews as being one of the major controllers of it. She went on, the Masonic movement will meet the need of those who can and should wield power. Notice once again, it is not the Jews, it is the Masons who will yield the power. And I would say that if anyone knew who was in charge, it was Mrs. Bailey. Manly P. Hall, perhaps the greatest writer in the world in support of this Luciferian conspiracy, wrote that a group called The Order of the Quest came to America at the same time as the Christians, meaning the Pilgrims and the Puritans and it was this loosely organized conspiracy that set this nation on a course of delivering the Novus Ordo Seclorum, a New World Order, to the world. Hall was the major source of details as to what the symbols on the back of the American dollar mean. For instance, he points out that America was not named after Amerigo Vespucci, as is commonly taught by those who write the Accidental School of History. But it was named after Amaru, a Peruvian sun god. And that the worship of this sun god conceals a worship of Lucifer, also called Satan or the devil. In fact, Mr. Hall states that America may well mean land of Lucifer. 44 years of my research has forced me to conclude that our founding fathers were also members of the ancient mystery religion, the one that secretly worships Lucifer, the sun god, that is 6,000 years old and that they did indeed set this nation on a course that Mr. Hall wrote about in his book entitled The Secret Destiny of America. As I have said, my research of for 44 years has proven that this conspiracy is ruled by Lucifer, another name of Satan or the devil, by a group known as the Great White Brotherhood, and there appear appeared to be nine of these leaders, and that they have their headquarters in the nation known as Tibet. Sure. This is Charles W. Leadbeater, one of the writers in favor of this view of man's relationship to his God. He wrote a book entitled Freemasonry and Its Ancient Mystic Rite in which he wrote this on page 9. Masonry is a direct descendant of the mysteries of Egypt. So this writer is declaring that this conspiracy predates the Jews and this quote comes from page 27 behind the whole system of Masonic initiation was and is the Great Lodge the Great White the Great White Lodge itself so it is the Great White Brotherhood that controls the Masons And he reported that this group had his headquarters not in Tibet, not in Israel, not in the United States, not in Europe, nor inside the United Nations. So he is saying that the Masons who are to wield the power are controlled by the Great White Brotherhood, a group that is as old as the Egyptian Mysteries, predating the Jews themselves by several thousand years. My research into the Great White Brotherhood is preliminary, but it appears as if this is the controlling group for the entire conspiracy. In other words, the Great White Brotherhood is the top layer in this enormous worldwide conspiracy. Of course, that means the Jews are not the controlling group for this conspiracy. One of the reasons I believe this is because the Masons who designed the Great Seal of the United States drew an eagle in the front side of the seal. The eagle that they designed is not a real eagle or a drawing of a real eagle. It is a drawing of a bird that resembles a real eagle. And the way you can know that is first by counting the numbers of feathers in the wings. This eagle has 32 feathers in its left wing and 33 in its right. No real eagle has an unequal count of feathers in its wings. And it is not a coincidence that the Masons have 32 degrees and then an honorary 33rd degree in their lodges. And the tail of the eagle, in the tail, there are nine tail feathers. A real eagle has 11. In the large birds, the tail feathers control the flight of the bird. So symbolically, the masons are saying that the nine tail feathers control the flight of the American eagle. And there are nine individuals in the Great White Brotherhood. And the Great White Brotherhood has run this conspiracy for over 6,000 years. I would like now to show you one more evidence that the Masons worship Lucifer, their god, in their temples. This is an article that appeared in the December 1988 New Age magazine published by the 33rd Degree Council in Washington, D.C. The article is entitled, On the Ring of the Fourteenth Degree. Now before I explain what this ring is and what it is for, I would like to show you the importance of the fourteenth degree. The Scottish Rite of Freemasonry is one that controls all of the other Masonic lodges worldwide, and it starts at the bottom with what they call the Blue Lodge consisting of three degrees. The Mason may stop here after he completes the third degree, but if he wishes to go on, he may do so. There are 29 more degrees for a total of 32. And then there is a 33rd degree on top, but that is honorary, meaning the Mason cannot become a 33rd degree Mason unless he is invited into it. Now let me briefly explain what befalls the Mason as he goes through the initiation rituals. In the first degree of the Blue Lodge, the initiate is brought to the officer in charge, the equivalent of their president by the vice president. And the president asks the vice president, what do you seek for this initiate? And the vice president answers, light. During the second degree, the scene is repeated, and the vice president answers more light to the same question. And during the third degree, it is repeated for the third time, and the vice president answers for the initiate, further light. Now, there is no explanation at this time as to what this word light means. But near the end of the third degree, the initiate is told, quote, the true knowledge of the deity is the light of which the Mason travels in search. Notice that the initiate was just told that the Mason does not learn the true knowledge of the deity in the Bible or in his church or synagogue. He learns it in the Masonic Lodge. Now if the Mason's if the mason decides he wants to go on to the 32nd degree, he obviously has to advance one degree at a time through the 14th degree. And after he completes the 14th degree, he used to be given a copy of Albert Pike's book entitled Morals and Dogma, and he was encouraged to read it. It becomes appropriate now to discuss who this man, Albert Pike, was. He was the sovereign grand commander of the Masonic Scottish Rite and held that position from 1859 to 1891. That means he was the leader of the entire Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. This is a statue of him that stands in Washington, D.C. that was erected by the 33rd Degree Council in that city and the plaque that sits on the ground at the foot of the statue reads, to the loving memory of Albert Pike, leader of the the worldwide Masonic movement. So when this Mason speaks, he speaks for the entire Masonic movement worldwide. And if a Mason read his book, he would know that these are the official thoughts of the Worldwide Masonic Lodge. And he would read one chapter on each of the 32 degrees inside the book. And this is in the explanation of the 19th degree on page 321. The Mason would read, Lucifer the Lightbearer." Is it he who bears the light? Doubt it not. So here the edition reads where Lucifer, also called Satan or the devil, brings the light that he is seeking. But before I go on, let me read you a quote taken from the ritual of the 14th degree. It is for each each Mason to discover the secret of Masonry by reflecting upon what is done in the work. So the Mason has been taught that there is but one secret. And I will now like to show you what that secret is and that it is revealed in the 19th degree. We're going to take three different statements and see if we can reflect upon the words to draw some conclusions. The first one is that the Mason asks for light. The second one is that the Mason is told that the light represents the true knowledge of deity. And the third one is that Lucifer is the light bearer. Now the Mason is urged to reflect upon these words and draw this conclusion. Lucifer, the light bearer is the true knowledge of Deity. If he has reflected correctly he will conclude that Lucifer is the God of the Masonic Lodge. Now also notice that the Masons cannot say that directly because if they did, Masons by the millions would leave the Lodge. So they ask the Mason to reflect upon the words and draw his own conclusions. Now we can examine the article about the 14th degree ring. Notice that this article was written by a 33rd degree mason. That means the article is official Masonic information because the author has been approved for acceptance into the highest degree inside the Masonic Lodge and his article is contained in the official magazine of the 33rd degree. And these are the important parts of the article. There is no part of our Scottish Rite ritual that is more precise in its intent Then the presentation of the 14th degree ring. The article then discusses what Albert G. Mackey, another 33rd degree Mason wrote. Brother Mackey describes the dynamics of its Masonic use as depicting a wedding, the entering of each Mason into, A covenant quite consistent with that used in the ceremony of marriage. Now let me point out this very important point at this juncture. The initiate Mason cannot be entering into a covenant with his wife if he's married because she is not permitted to attend the ceremony. So he cannot be marrying her And who would an unmarried Mason be marrying? So one can only ask, who is it that the married or unmarried Mason is marrying? We shall soon discover who this is. This is the cover of the McCoy catalog. And you can see that they supply the Masons with their Masonic materials. This is page 133 of their catalog showing photographs of some of the rings the mason is encouraged to wear. These are the descriptions of the rings just underneath the pictures and you will see that item number two is a 14th degree ring. And this is a close-up of item number two. It certainly looks like a wedding band with one exception it has the hebrew letter yod inside a triangle on its outer side the letter yod is the first letter of a four-letter name of the masonic god and it is read from the right to the left yod hey va hey i can draw one conclusion and only one conclusion from what these words say it is at the fourteenth degree that the Mason marries Lucifer his God. And you if you think that is too extreme, please remember what Pike wrote. The Mason is to reflect upon these words to learn the one secret the one secret of the Masonic Lodge and that This one last quote will make it clear that they cannot say it directly. This quote comes from Albert Pike's book entitled Agenda on page 53 of the 32nd degree explanation. Masonry permits the misleading of the ignorant. So if you do not see the secret inside these words, Pike calls you ignorant mr pike continues the secret is there if you seek it and are wise enough to figure it out on your own so here is the secret lucifer is the god of the masons and the 14th degree mason puts on a wedding band of a symbol as a symbol as a symbol of his marriage to his god so now let's ask the final question If a Jew who is a Mason marries Lucifer at the 14th degree, is he still a Jew? And I think you would have to agree with me that he is not, he's a Luciferian. So my conclusion may be summarized as follows. This is not a plot of the Jews, the Vatican, the Masons, the CFR the Bilderbergers, the Trellau Commission, the Jesuits, the Black Pope, the regular Pope, or any other group or individual. It is a Luciferian conspiracy that has controlled and used all of these groups and individuals, including even Christianity, to lead the world to a Novus Ordo Seclorum, the Latin phrase translated into a New World Order and it is controlled by nine initiates who run the entire program from their headquarters in Tibet. And let me point out that this conspiracy led by the great white brotherhood and their servants the Masons has only one purpose, the destruction of Christianity. And if you want to read the evidence that I've taken from the very words of the Masonic rituals, may I suggest that you read my third book entitled Masonry Conspiracy Against Christianity as published in 1997. There is one additional clue that I am right and it is this. I've written a booklet entitled The Lion's Paw that documents the existence of a sign that is made by the right hand over the heart in the form of a lion's paw. It is a sign that the bearer is an initiate of this Luciferian conspiracy and has been born again to Lucifer. It is true that both the mystery religion and the Christians have a born again experience. So that behooves us to ask the person who claims to be born again just who are you born again to? Jesus or Lucifer. The first example of this sign is on a statue of Khufu, the builder of the Great Pyramid of Giza outside of Cairo, Egypt. This little statue has been dated by Egyptologists as being at least 5,000 years old. That pyramid representation of which is on the back of our dollar bill, was not built as a tomb, but was built as a temple of initiation into the ancient mystery religion of Lucifer worship. First of all, this is a page from a book on the Masonic ritual. This will confirm that the lion's paw is an official sign of the Masonic lodge. And I have established that the masons worship Lucifer in their temples from their own written material. So others who have given the sign are Karl Marx, a Satanist who is the so-called father of communism. Nikolai Lenin, the brutal communist dictator of Russia. Joseph Stalin, the communist who joined with Lenin to butcher 40 million people in Russia. Now, I must admit that this is a statue, so we cannot be sure that Mr. Stalin posed for it. But here is an actual photograph of him giving the same sign, so we can know that he was admitted. He was admitting that he was been born again to Lucifer. Napoleon Bonaparte, the French leader who has been reported to be a member of the Illuminati, a Luciferic Secret Society. Annie Besant, a known luciferian and the only woman I have found so far in my research who has been photographed giving this sign. Frank James, the brother of Jesse James, the famous outlaw, and a mason. That's Frank on the right and Jesse on the left. Jesse later became a 33rd degree mason, which means he was invited into that degree. Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, and President George Washington, the father of his country, a Mason, and quite likely a member of the Illuminati. Now this is an official portrait of George Washington that has been released by the Masonic Lodge. And here is one major clue that this control is extended even into the Christian faith. This is Pat Robertson, the televangelist, shown giving this sign. Mr. Robertson is not a Jew, but claims to be a Christian. He is shown giving this sign on the cover of a 1986 Time magazine. By this sign, I believe that Pat was showing the initiates that he was one of them. So let me close with this thought. This Jewish conspiracy is just that. It is a theory and one that can be quickly exposed as being bogus, an enormous fraud. Thank you so very much, and may God bless America.
0: Well, there we go folks that was it man pretty good huh Ooh, I got my head messed all up <laughs> let me um give Ralph a ring to let him know that uh, everything is good and he can get back on let's see I told him I'd let it ring once Come back on, Ralph. Okay. All right, folks. Ralph's going to try to get on again. As soon as I see his picture up there, I will shut the phone off and we can we can continue. What, Ralph? Hold on. Okay. This session, please wait. Session Okay. There you are. You're there. Hold on. Okay, folks. We have... We have Mr. Ralph. Hold on, Ralph. we got to get rid of one, one of these things here.
1: Well, now... All right. The picture's there. See this? This picture? That's my wiggling. Me wiggling my finger. That's me. Ralph. Yeah. Right there. Look at that.
0: You got fingers just like Tom Selleck. Uh oh. Hey Ralph. Is- can, you, can you can you turn the fan down a little bit?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll go turn the fan down. I turned it up because it's getting warmer now.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well, you live in Hades, so. <laughs> aka arizona folks <laughs> oh that's good
1: ralph okay that's slow
0: yeah that's really good
1: you. i don't understand what's happened tonight when i when i saw you a few minutes ago and you held up your your uh your laptop your phone my phone yeah the, the writing was reversed oh words, sorry. It, yeah. it was on 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 my right and it went like this so in other words, here's the beginning of the word. Oh, yeah, it was
0: me. backwards. Mm-hmm.
1: Here, yeah. I can't even get it like this. So it started with the E A E P P E R S O N. So like, I can't uh-huh. read that. So, uh, <laughs> and by the way, on my screen, your hat reads A-G-A-M. It's reversed as well. The gom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you are. I okay. always tell loved- the... I always tell, tell the me.
0: violent liberals that it means Missoula Airy Game Authority. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell me what, what you think of my uh, uh, my DVD about the conspir- uh, Jewish conspiracy.
0: My goodness, it was thorough, Ralph. A lot of information there. And it was, I like how you presented it. You kind of like, you had the pitcher throwing the ball, and then all of a sudden, man, bang, it hits the ball and knocks it right out of the park. And it did that for nine innings, Ralph. And it oh. was it was glorious.
1: Well, I, I forget. Thank you very much. I appreciate that because that that's what I try to do. Is I'm a teacher, and I I teach as if I'm I'm the student, you know. And uh-huh. I want it simple to understand. I don't want to, and I want documentation. Now that would that was made quite a number of years ago. You could see. Uh-huh. Okay. Would would you believe that a person who believes in the Jewish conspiracy would admit that after watching all that, that he's wrong?
0: Well, I think that, I don't think he would outwardly admit it at first, but I think that inwardly he would admit it. Okay. And then he would try to probably skate over it and then uh, <clears throat> hope that people forgot about that he believed it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know. Because I, I, if if it was me, and of course I'm the guy that made it, but if if it was me, I'd understand. I'd say, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. This is wrong. I'm I, i i have got to apologize to the whole Jewish uh, religion and the, the people that live there are Jews because, but this thing, when I spoke around the country back in the eighty to five, eighty five to eighty seven, uh, two cities. I think maybe I told you this once before, but I'll. For this audience, uh, two cities. Uh, this the I was paid to speak. I was this was a, people paid attend paid cash. You know, it was attended by uh, tickets. You had to buy a ticket. So right. I So, uh, and we always the people that have brought me there allowed me to end the 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 speech and then take questions from the floor, and so uh-huh. anyone could stand up. So one man stood up and in the audience and he said, now Ralph, I really appreciate I'm sorry, it's a paraphrase. I really thought you were right. It's amazing. It said done done the job, but but you're wrong. I said, Oh, and I knew what he was gonna say. I said, Well, how am I wrong? He said, Well, you've misnamed the people that are doing this. I said, Well, who are it with the Jews? Now the man behind him was sitting down mm-hmm. and and I started to talk to him. And the man that was sitting grabbed him by the back of the shirt and pulled him down on the seat. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> and that could have resulted in, in, in violence. You're and not kidding. The white, it, these were two cities in the same state. So I presume that these two guys got together. I'll take A and you take B. And you can, uh, you can cut Epperson into, uh, you know, uh, I'll do it as well. Uh but that was i was it was 91 of these speeches they were the only two that that uh, had that reaction right but but it it uh, mel gibson i i can fill you in a little bit if you have a couple of minutes about yeah we got
0: we've got about 15 minutes ralph so let
1: me tell you mel gibson uh uh let me see i i want to i want to build him as a good man he he put out that beautiful movie about jesus uh I what was it called Do you know what he, the crucifixion
0: uh yeah um, remember what it was yeah i remember it was a good movie i, I enjoyed it yeah.
1: well the one thing about it though that was that i did not see it because he didn't cover the resurrection uh-huh In other words, right. He died, right okay can you remember how it did end was <laughs> it maybe one of the women saw him or something or because there was I'm told that people that are Christian friends of mine that did see it said he didn't cover the resurrection. Well, that's the whole purpose of the of the story of Jesus.
0: Uh, Yeah, right.
1: That's the answer. So that Uh was disappointing. Now, I've been told that Kviesel or wherever his name is and he are working on a sequel to this. I don't know what it's going to be, but that that could be. okay. so now. Uh, A FRIEND OF MINE IN A SMALL TOWN IN LOS ANGELES, I DON'T REMEMBER THE CITY, I'LL CALL IT uh, HUNTERVILLE, AND HUNTERVILLE SAID, uh, RALPH, uh, MEL GIBSON GOT ARRESTED uh, YESTERDAY IN OUR CITY. HE SAID, WHAT HAPPENED? HE SAID HE GOT PULLED OVER, HE WAS DRUNK DRIVING, AND HE GOT PULLED OVER. AND AS SOON AS HE GOT OUT OF THE CAR, HE STARTED SCREAMING AT THE POLICEMAN, YOU GUYS ARE ALL CONTROLLED BY THE JEWS, YOU'RE ALL JEWS, AND YOU'RE you, you you're OUT TO DESTROY CHRISTIANS LIKE ME. AND THEY SAID, JUST TONE DOWN TELL, YOU KNOW, WHAT ARE YOU DRINKING? HE WAS DRINKING, APPARENTLY, BUT but HE he WAS EMPHATIC ABOUT THIS. HE TALKED uh-huh. FOR TEN MINUTES. SO they, have, THEY ARRESTED HIM, THEY TOOK HIM TO JAIL AND BOOKED HIM, AND THEN HE HAD TO GO BEFORE THE JUDGE. RIGHT. Now, is The judge, I, I I could be wrong, I think he fined him some money, but he, get, he re, was required to, to see some counselors to improve his attitude about the Jews. So he said, I asked my friend, I said, would you get your yellow pages out? And uh, and tell me how many psychiatrists you have in your city, because this is the city judge. So that the people that they want to do this work with and would live in that city. He gave right. me three names. So I called them one after the other, and I said, I, I saw, I saw, I saw that Mel Gibson's going to require some counseling. I said, I, I there's, I am a, I am the only person in this country that could convince him. That he's wrong about the Jewish conspiracy, and I'm sure I'm a published author. My books are all over the globe, various nations. I've got four books out. I speak. I do talk shows. I'll be calm and do, do, I won't. I will charge for it. I'll fly over, and from Tucson to L, your, L, your little city, and I'll appear when I'm there. I'll sit. To, you can bring everyone in that you believe. And if, if I say something that offends you, say, get up and leave, and I'll leave without question. But I could tell, I could convince him, convince him, if he's sober, how wrong he is. And I'm uh-huh. telling you, a little bit more patiently, I'm telling you, I'm the only one in this nation that can do this. So please, if you're going to take him, let me know and I'll be there. No cost to you. I won't charge you for it. I'll just sit and talk to him and explain why he's wrong and show him. Uh, Well, no, it's not us. So all three of them said that. Well, finally, one of them called me back and said, we wanted to make sure that you knew that it wasn't us which means it was them, and they were afraid. Uh-huh. I'd pull up and sit and sit in the street and become a, a stalker <laughs> or something. So I'd, I'd wait for Mel Gibson and have a tent out there, and I, when Mel Gibson showed up, I'd go up to, school to catch him and speak to him. So I, I could have had a chance to talk to Mel Gibson, but that uh-huh. was disappointing, because I, I can tell you it's done more damage. Now, there's, let me point this out. Since there is no cons- Jewish conspiracy, but there are people who believe in it, if I was in the conspiracy, I'd have these people preach it from the radio stations. Do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because while they're doing that, they're negating the Jews who are going to be affected by it when this new world order happens, because they're going to destroy all religion. That's right. I'm saying, I would welcome them. I would pay them to go to make speeches like this with me. I was prepared to discuss it with this man. But the guy, the first one, all he did was he, got, he <laughs> pulled him down with the back of his shirt and sat him down <laughs> in the chair. And the other guy, I think I talked him out of it at least quickly. But I right. tell yeah. you, it's, it's, it's a real curse. Yeah, so, it is. So uh, uh, I think... I think I, you, you very cordially said something about the fact that it was well presented and people, if they were open, would receive it. Is that correct?
0: That's correct, uh-huh, so they without were, a doubt.
1: Yeah, so they yeah. would there at the very end say, yes, he's right. And and,
0: and and those of us that do believe that there's no Jewish conspiracy, it'll, it'll help to embolden their belief.
1: Okay, good. Did you get yeah. any clues about anybody watching or numbers or anything at all?
0: um not a fan ralph i can uh
1: well when, when you can and just to curious to see if they're not the uh i i still don't understand what the problems were because i i what i have right now is the same thing i had before in fact now there's uh, three different pictures of ralph emerson on my screen you're in the middle <laughs> i'm on the right side and then on the left side Oh, well, i thought oh, i got rid of that huh well wait a minute you're going to cut me out of this i i think fe- there's really three of me and only one of you i like that
0: i'm jealous <laughs> <laughs> hey ralph did... 100, 135 people live
1: watch well that's great i hope they yeah. learned something yeah. so that, that's that's helpful now you're going to put this up at your convenience onto the uh it's you know.
0: on there we're the minute we shut this off it's on there
1: it's, it's doing that,
0: really yeah, because we're doing it live. It's just it's recording as we're going along. Yeah. So it's recording this as well. Yeah. Us? Goofy. Yeah. Be- yeah. Well, well, I th- well, we're not we're not finished yet, are we? <laughs> or we <laughs> weren't.
1: <laughs> well, I was. I think I showed you that that uh, this is dangerous, and you'll notice uh, the lion's paw. Uh, many of those people with the lion's paw were Jews, like the. Lenin and Trotsky, and uh-huh. uh, Joseph Stalin, and and yet they're they're given the, the, the the claw. By the way, do you know how to do that? Do you want to make the lion's paw?
0: Yeah, like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you tuck the thumb underneath. Uh huh. Yeah. Here like this. Yeah. And then 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 it's you can put it over the heart. Yeah. And you can either do it inside your shirt or coat or outside. Either way. The one thing, one of the pictures that I, I don't think I showed here on this one, but there's a, there's a uh, he was at a major, uh, like a, a, a corporal in the Civil War, and he's giving the sign covered up, but he's but he was uh, proudly underneath. Uh, he was the chaplain or the so-and-so of their of his chapter of the Masons in that city, which means that's that's he's doing it officially because he knows how to do it right, and he had it inside his coat. So that's yeah. why uh, Marx can do it, and Landon and Trotsky, some people don't do it, they do it openly. Yeah.
0: That was one thing that was interesting, Ralph, was that, uh, you, know, you and I have talked about this, but I think people would find it interesting is that Marx was a Christian when it all started yes. out.
1: you, you wanna know? know the whole story? Yeah. Okay, his father was, he was born in, now I'm i I'm gonna say this and if I'm wrong you can correct me. It goes with the mother, is that correct? If if you have a yeah, Jew- the Jewish Jewish, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So now he had a Jewish mother and a Jew I presume a Jewish father. Uh-huh. Well the Jewish father was a civil civil servant. Right. And I think he said, Listen, I notice in my city the people who are Christians get promotion and uh-huh. I'm down at mm-hmm. the bottom. So I know what I'll do, I'll join Christianity. And apparently he did. And little Karl Marx said, What are you doing, Daddy? Well, I had to do this to become a, you know, get a promotion. So he looked into it and he he quoted. He was young, 18, 19 years old. He was quoting Jesus and how beautiful it was to be in harmony with him and the beautiful things. And then he went to college. And he got away from his father and mother. And he Uh got in touch with Joanna Southcott, who was a priestess of the satanic church, and she was in touch with the demon Shiloh. Mm -hmm. And guess what Karl Marx said, boy, Judaism is wrong, Christianity is wrong, I'm going with that. Yeah. See, once again, you go to college and you learn, you're not under your discipline of your parents, whatever they were, they were both at least. The father was a Jewish, maybe the mother didn't come. I don't know. But Daddy's talking to him and getting to read the right. Bible, and suddenly he goes, "Wait a minute! See this woman was probably pre-teaching on the campus, and so little Mark's attended." He said, "Boy, she's making some sense. I got to talk to her." And so he bought the whole enchilada.
0: Well, I'll bet you anything, Ralph, that some of it had to do with—I'll bet you she was a very good-looking woman, <laughs> and uh, you know he his hormones kicked into gear. And he was attracted to her. Maybe they even had an affair. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, you know, so that's a lot of times women hook guys in that way.
1: That's you know? possible. And, possible.
0: And guys, women hook women in that way too, actually. So.
1: Yeah.
0: But um, yeah, so I, I, I got a feeling that 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 played that factor plays into it a little bit, you know.
1: Now let's go back. Why did, uh, did Pat Robertson do it?
0: Because Pat Robertson isn't a Christian.
1: <laughs> so, but. <clears throat> My this is a my conclusion. It's all that it is because I I don't know. Uh, uh, in in my DVD, my my little video on, on the the uh, Lion Spa, I I talked to David Weber uh, David Weber Reverend David Weber who had a Southwest Radio Church of the Air. You know if you remember. Yeah. that. Uh-huh. oh I've heard him. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, he was the host of that, and he went up with the with the Time magazine in his hands, and said. Pat why did you do this? And Pat according to David Weber on his own radio station said uh, uh, Robertson I fell off my horse. <laughs> I said to myself, I wonder how Marx got on a horse. I don't think Marx even knew what a horse was. <laughs> so, I don't think I don't think Karl Marx fell off a horse and <laughs> Lenin Trotsky probably never did. Either. No. So I asked my, my, my doctor, and we, we had a chance maybe months later, I said, what would you do if I sp- you know, fell off my horse and sprained my arm real bad? He said, I'd put you in a sling and tell you not to move it. Well, he's out right. moving it and playing with it, so uh-huh. he didn't fall off his horse.
0: No. I bet you when he was in school and he didn't have his homework, he said the dog ate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used that seven times when I was in school. Listen, <laughs> yes. David, i got to be honest with you. I was in kindergarten for three years. Did I tell you that? Well, no, but you're telling
0: the whole world that.
1: <laughs> I was called Magnus, i Dummy, uh, Kindergarten. And they, they had a <coughs> ceremony when we wore a cap and flipping it over. And they said, uh, get I'm out right. of here, Epperson. Well, I couldn't stay inside the lines when I was coloring. That's what the problem was. I couldn't do it.
0: You so, should try paint by number. It's a lot easier. <laughs>
1: They didn't have that when I was line. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Ralph, I think we it's, it's, it's been two hours. Two hours and one minute, actually.
1: Well, you're very kind, David. I really well, we, appreciate it. I've really
0: enjoyed this, Ralph. And when we get together, we have fun and, you know, and we, we educate people and, and the whole nine yards. So, hey, we're just doing what we're, to, we're told to do, right?
1: Oh, man. And by the way, gonna, for those who have never heard me say this on your program, if we don't laugh, David, we'll go zonkers. I'm serious. That's right. What's happening in this country is it, it, it everything's wrong, white, everything's racist. Children are, oh God, they're seeing this, the guy, the, the camera's in a subway and there's a guy walking like this, well, I'm doing, yeah, walking away, and a guy over here runs over and knocks him into the, into the, the, the train. The What's tracks. Right? Just yeah. when, he, when he got finished he went back and picked up his back and it ran out what is uh-huh. that all about okay hatred hatred yeah. <laughs> anyway thank you very much for the time uh, we'll, it, we'll talk it, again and we'll find something else to discuss
0: definitely i want to thank the audience too because uh and i'm sure the viewer could talk you thank ralph because ralph had a really good presentation tonight and it's something that's really going to stick in our heads and it's something we're going to remember the next time we hear this garbage on online, you know, about a, about a Jewish conspiracy. I've heard all my life. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, just remember it, folks. And you've been educated. You can refute it now.
1: Okay. You, know? right. you can repeat it. You can archive it. And then they can watch it again or if they wish to. Or let their neighbor know.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay, so, Rather than keep you it longer, I'll say goodbye. Thank you very much. We gotta find out how to get this equipment to work properly, David. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's working great now. Okay. Yeah. But it's still, I would guess the the oh there it is, the picture's about this big. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. If that if that means anything, it's about that like that. Okay, let's get out of here. David, okay, Ralph. Much, have a good evening. Thank
0: you very God much. God bless you too, Ralph. Hey, thanks for being on tonight, man. My, it's
1: my pleasure. I can assure you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Bye, Ralph. Whoa. Okay, folks, uh, I'm gonna call it a night too. So, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching, and uh, <laughs> we pray. I just pray that you guys have a wonderful day. Um, I'll be back tomorrow night with another subject because tomorrow night's a Tuesday and that's my usual night. And I think this with Ralph is gonna is gonna become a um, is gonna become a weekly thing. Uh, we've got lots of plans, folks. Okay, so. Um, just hang in there and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll razzle and dazzle you with, with the wisdom of Ralph Epperson and with the other things that Yahweh decides to show us and tell us and, and to tell us to tell you. So, hey, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Hold on a second. There, it's me. <laughs> me, me, uh, sorry. I've been staining today, folks. So, um. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he watch your going out, your coming in, your rising up, and your lying down. May he give you the peace that passes all understanding, folks. Yahweh bless you. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.